1: When you're aware of the wound you're leading from, then you can be more conscious in the moment. And I think for many years, I was kind of aware, but not enough aware to make it a priority to stop, pause, and do the hard thing to lean all the way into not perpetuating that story.
0: You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 565 with guest Janine Yoder. You ready? Let's go. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. We have a repeat guest on, but it's been like 150 years since she's been on, so it's like she's coming on for the first time. <laughs> Janine Yoder's here. She's an old friend of mine and just so incredibly wise. And uh, you know, she's just one of those people that you just want her to wrap you up in a warm blanket and put you in front of the fire and Give you a nice cup of tea or coffee and tell you everything's gonna be okay. That's what I love about Janine. One of the many things I love about Janine. Before we get into the show, uh, who wants to come and be coached on the podcast? It costs zero dollars. And all you gotta do is hop on over and fill out an application to do that. And I it's been a minute since I've had somebody come on and, and be coached. So I'm excited to start doing this again in 2024. So Everything is over at andreaowen.com slash links. There's two things I would like to call your attention to that if, an application if you want to be coached on the show. And also, can you answer two questions for me, please? I have a very short survey. Very short. This isn't the podcast one that I'm going to do in the new year. This is two questions. It should take you like 30 seconds. That link is also over at andreaowen.com slash links. You'll see all the all the different options, getting coached on the podcast, this short, quick little survey and, and, and anything else you might need. So I would appreciate that so much. AndreaOwen.com slash links. All right, my lovelies, you ready to hear about our guest today? Janine Yoder is a New York Times featured feminine leadership and business coach, healer, mom, Broadway artist, and founder and CEO of Mentor Masterclass, an all-in life coach training school for women. Janine works intimately with women who are bored and burnt out by the current success strategies that are being taught and who are ready to take ownership of their life. Her signature RSVP method, embody dance classes, and breathwork workshops have helped thousands of clients deeply understand the principles of embodiment and how to create a beautiful life, sharing their gifts and passions with others. So without further ado, here is Janine. Janine, welcome back to the show. Hello. I can't (laughs) believe it's been many years since you've been here. And you're like one of my favorite people. And we connected on in DMs again. And I was like, I need to have you come back because from what I can tell on social media and you and I haven't caught up, this is our version of catching up. Yes, But on social media, you've been, I mean, I guess for lack of a better term, sort of burning it all down for the sake of sounding dramatic Mm. and going through an evolution, which we all do in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to start There, just, you know, like what tell us about what happened and kind of like what set you on this new journey over the last handful of years.
1: I'm really excited to be here with you, by the way, because I just feel like it's fun to reconnect and to know that it's kind of divinely guided. I'm not sure what exactly is going to come out of the conversation today. But I know it's going to be healing either for us just reconnecting in this moment and ideally for someone and many someone's listening. So we're going through something I'm just similar. Like yeah. On the edge of my seat, like what have we been reconnected for and why this we're gonna moment? We're going to figure it out together
0: and have all these witnesses. <laughs> yes, totally.
1: <laughs> okay. I think to just go right into it. In 2018, I was in the middle of a big launch in my business, which was a life coach training school. And every year around the holidays, I would do this thing called the holiday challenge. And I'd been doing it for many, many years. Kind of had this Which
0: I participated in. It was always really great.
1: Thank you. But I had this feeling running it this year that, like, this is just like not really working for me anymore. I'm not sure if it's working as a business strategy, but this is the structure, this is the system. I'm the team is stuck in it. It feels really hard right now to like recreate everything. So I'm just kind of stuck in this box, so I'll keep doing it. And right before signing on to a meeting with my launch manager, at the time I got a text that my mother had died. And as I read the text, I was signing on to the meeting in this haze of like is this uh worthy of canceling a meeting with my team? <laughs> and the first person I told was her, like when she signed onto the screen you know, and something about that moment, I just felt in my body. Like this is, this is warped. like something. This is a, this is a huge moment. This is going to be a big revelation over the court. It was a very traumatic death. we we, to this day, we found out six months later waiting for the autopsy, like never really found out what happened. So that was a really tough six month journey, kind of waiting, hoping to have some closure to figure out how she died. And I should preface this with saying, I think our last podcast was a lot about motherhood, relationships with mothers. And I had a very A estranged and hard and challenging Mm -hmm. relationship with my mother, been doing a lot of healing around it for many years. So Mm -hmm. her death obviously was like a big moment. We'll drop
0: that link in the show notes because it's great for anyone who's had a tumultuous relationship with their parents. Um, I know you talk a lot in that episode about your childhood trauma with growing up in a family where there was a lot of drug addiction. And I just remember just a lot of chaos Mm -hmm. growing up for you. So if anyone can relate to that, definitely give that one a listen. So here here you are years later. And just, did you even know she was sick at the time or? No, there was a lot of, you
1: know, chaotic kind of normal things as addiction. Anyone who has A family member who struggles with addiction will know it's kind of constant, unexpected, crazy things happening. Mm -hmm. And there were definitely a few of those over the last year or so leading up, but I had also made a very conscious decision at that time to really pull back and have strong boundaries with her. So we weren't talking very much. So I was a little bit more out of the loop than normal when I was you know, kind of fully immersed in the drama.
0: I just pause for a minute too, and like I don't know what the circumstances are, you know, with the person that actually sent you the text, but I feel like that kind of news is best in a phone call. Yes, yes.
1: It was my sister who is a lot like my mother, you know, also just like struggles with addiction and mental illness and communication. communication, Sounds
0: like maybe okay. Okay, I'm like I feel like you deserved more. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just kind of the way it goes. So, so yeah.
1: So I think that was really what led to what came in as a strong intuitive knowing for me. I had this relationship at my intuition at that time in my life where I learned to really trust it when it came in clear. So it's almost like seeing a tsunami coming and my intuition was like, here is the boat and here is a map and here's how you're going to get through this. And I think the tsunami was like the identity change of the grief that I would experience. And also like my mother, who was such a defining initiator of healing through my entire life was now gone. So it's like, who are you when that story changes so dramatically? Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. boat was like, from my intuition was like, you're going to create quit your career that you love that you've worked so hard for that that you define yourself by that all of your friendships are built around on top of that I was the bread earner in my marriage and relationship and at the time my husband wasn't in a place of like a lot of opportunity so it was like that boat doesn't make any sense to get on. But it was so clear and the tsunami was coming that I was like, I will trust you because I know what happens if I don't listen to this intuition, even though it's hard, even though it's initiating, even though it makes no sense, even though it's the scariest thing you could tell me that I'm going to do, I'm going to get on this boat because I've learned what happens when I say no thanks. And so I did, I got in that boat and slowly started to burn down the business that I love, the career that I love coaching women and running a team of women. I really said, what will happen if I kind of hand over this feminist leadership type, I'm in control of our finances and say, here, babe, I trust you. You take the wheel, Um, Mm -hmm. which was a whole healing journey in itself and an ego death as well. I did. I slowly turned on my programs and and stopped running them. And I, I always kept a few one-on-one clients and kind of followed where the yeses were. So it was never fully not working, but just turned my creativity toward... My mothering, I wanted to know what does it feel like all this creativity and innovative energy I've poured into running my own business? What would that feel like to give it to my daughters? And it felt like they needed that. And we needed that as a family at the time. Motherhood and family life just felt chaotic. And then by the way, it got crazier because then 2019 hit and then a world pandemic came. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. where I was like, thanks, intuition. I understand like what you were guiding me to personally. And yeah, so I don't know. I'll pause there and see if there's, you know, which direction you want me to go next.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm also curious and maybe this is directly or indirectly related. And you have been talking a lot about how you work a lot with women leaders. And I know that even if there's people listening who aren't in a particular, like traditional leadership role Mm -hmm. in their work life, I do think that we lead in other ways, even whether people are listening to this who are child-free we, we, there's some place in your life that that they're you know you, that you're a leader, and you talk about how many times we lead from that place of a, a wound or a broken system or some other form of trauma. So, can you talk about that, as well as maybe what your journey has been to remedy that in yourself? Well, it leaves me curious. Like, it how what would it
1: take to fully remedy that? Because I don't. <laughs>
0: If you, could, me here. if you could wrap up that answer in like 30 minutes, <laughs> would see be amazing. If we can figure that out today. <laughs> a plus for you.
1: So, yes, I think that, you know, I just started writing a lot recently and I recalled a story in writing of being seven years old and my mother was passed out drunk and I knew it was time to catch the bus. And I wanted to get to school that day for many reasons and definitely didn't want to be in that house with her. And I recall like my younger sister was only two years old at the time so it was like a it felt like a huge decision and a lot of weight on me for a seven-year-old. but I decided I'm gonna figure how to do I'm gonna prioritize myself. I'm gonna figure out how to get to school. And I remember putting on my mom's t-shirt, which was kind of revealing because it was these delicate embroidered flowers that were see-through, but I loved it. And I was like, this will be a hot dress to wear to school. (laughs) I put on my ruby red slipper shoes, which were my favorite shoes. And I got myself to school and on the bus and realized when I got there, I'd forgotten to put underwear on. And so I was all excited. Like I did it. I figured out how to do this on my own, but was embarrassed once I realized kids were running from me. I had to hide on the slide. They ended up calling my mom to come get me. It kind of like backfired. So it was this story of like figuring out how to do it on my own, but still lacking the resources. That's the wound for me was having to grow up too fast, figure things out and becoming like fiercely independent. And then my confidence and my identity kind of rode on that. But the trauma part of it is a lot of the times I didn't know how to receive support and really collaborate. And a lot of the times I was powering through because I'm lacking resources just due to being more in fight or flight mode and not being able to calm down and, um, you know, be nurtured and cared for or even like having that muscle within. So a lot of my life was building that. And I just realized, I think when I lost my mom and and the grief flooded, it was like, I need to slow all the way down at this moment in my life. And I need to learn if I'm ever going to run a business again and be the mother that I want to be to my kids, how to do so from a calm, nourished, peaceful easy place in my body and in my system, which I just was clear was going to require some next level healing work that I hadn't done. And I wanted to turn toward motherhood. I really want to feel like, and decide what, who am I as a mother? What kind of mother am I going to be? What kind of support am I going to give to these girls as they describe their childhood? And so this is where I say like the passing on, like, hopefully I'm not just bringing mm-hmm. some kind of other trauma wound into my mothering. I'm conscious of that enough. When you're aware of the wound you're leading from, then you can be more conscious in the moment. And I think for many years, I was kind of aware, but not enough aware to make it a priority to stop, pause, and do the hard thing to lean all the way into not perpetuating that story. And if I was going to keep running my business that way, for me, it would just never work. I would It would have been always piecing together and powering through. And I needed to know like, what would it look like if I was fully able to relax into receptivity, fully resource myself and build a strong foundation, and then build myself back up from there. And for me, the only way to do that was really to burn it all down.
0: Yeah, it's that self-awareness piece. That's like what I am like pulling, pulling out of that. And, and I, and I want to pull on that thread a little bit more. Let's take a quick ad break. And then when we get back, I want to ask you about that next level work that you mentioned.
2: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
0: Okay. Before the break, you, you said that the only way to do that, you know, to, to stop leading from that mother wound that you felt like you were doing that place of, you know, like not having the resources. And by the way, that, that experience that you had sounds like a dream that we have as adults, like a, like a repetitive dream that we have with so many metaphors, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. just the exposure I, I, and, you know, some of us have dreams of being literally exposed, whether we're naked somewhere, I've had a dream of being in like yeah. a leotard, I'm, I'm at an Oprah, sh- Oprah <sighs> taping and I'm in a leotard that's see-through and like the lights are <laughs> shining on
3: us and I'm like,
0: oh, fine. but that actually happened to you in real life, oh my gosh. Wow, yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm curious, like what did that look like for you? That next level healing that you talked about? Was it like rituals that you started or therapy or friendships? What was it?
1: Luckily it had some of those things put in place already. So I'd done coaching for many years, but never therapy. I always thought because I was always forward-driven, results driven, goal-oriented driven. So like a coaching good American more aligned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, for the first time I really got a great therapist that happened to be a couples therapist and my solo therapist and my husband's solo therapist was also his time doing solo therapy and our first time doing couples therapy together. So that would probably be the strongest resource that was initiated. And then it was really just space was the healing tool. What am I going to do with free time and space And then allowing myself to be bored. So that became like the biggest mentor and teacher and initiator of all. So different modalities would pop up in that. Sometimes it was spending more time with girlfriends. Sometimes it was spending more time with my children. Some I picked up a painting class. I took a memoir writing class. Wherever kind of, instead of being driven by what is going to be most lucrative, successful, like get me somewhere. It was just what would bring me pleasure and what am I interested in and where does my boredom guide and take me without it being a means to an end, just it being pursuing what is calling me. Yeah, different things and um, body teachers also popped up. I did rolfing sessions and biodynamic cranial sacral So, also being drawn to different teachers or mentors or supporters in the process. And one of the biggest tools has been my memoir writing teacher. Mm -hmm. So, which was found through I went to a retreat, a women's retreat, life changing. This particular one, sometimes you're just ready, you know, sometimes like all the shit you've been doing suddenly lands. This is one of those times that it worked being at a retreat with other women in sisterhood received a lot of reflections like, you're going to be a writer. You're going to write a book, which made no sense to me because I have zero desire to write a book and have many friends who have written books and have hated the process and I'm terrified of it. <laughs> then a psychic, I went to a psychic medium who was very healing for me during my mother's loss. She wrote the book Signs. Her name's Laura Lynn Jackson. Highly recommend to anyone. I
0: am so jealous that you got to see her for a reading. I've taken one of her classes yes. before.
1: I did too. I took her class at Omega. And then I was like, I must get a reading with her, which is kind of impossible.
0: Her book, Signs, is My Life. Short, another one calls called, like, The Something Between the Us. Light between yes, us. The Light Between Us. So good. For my sister when her husband died. Oh, so good. Both
1: books have chills even saying the titles. Highly recommend. So she had a pop-up reading of 90 people, and I was like, I'm going and I'm going to get a reading. I just know it. And we did last minute, took a three-hour drive to see her, and I got a reading. And in it, she said the same thing these women said, you're going to write a book. Then I joined this memoir writing class, and this memoir writing teacher is just Become such a guide and mentor to healing me through this time and then the writing
0: I, okay. I, I want to go in that direction too, but I, I just want to acknowledge for people listening that that all of those modalities sound hard and exquisite, <laughs> and deep and also come with a lot of privilege to be able to sign up for them. A lot of them are very expensive. And just want to acknowledge that. and And at the same time, writing, can be such an incredibly therapeutic form of processing and in many ways healing. I am a mm-hmm. testament to that. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. also taken a memoir class over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I took one virtually and have written, gosh, probably 60,000 words of a memoir that I will likely self-publish. But I wanna talk about that for a minute because like, I can't tell you how many people in my community, probably many women listening who either have a desire to write like that or have been told they should write a memoir and feel a pull towards it, but then mm-hmm. think like, oh, well, I don't really want to have it published, or they do want to have it published, but they aren't sure they can get a book deal. Like my quick advice before I hand it over to you is write it anyway. Self-publishing oh, has gosh, come so yes. far to be able to do that if you want it, if you want to hold the book in your hands, but even just the process of learning how to write because writing memoir is many in many ways like fiction and it's different from a biography. And so mm-hmm. can you talk to us about I think I think what I'm more interested in is is what has the process looked like for you in terms of your growth and and healing.
1: Containers just help. That's what for me the memoir writing process is like a container to process with with a with a guided tool which for me just helps. It's like when there's so much you can do I think it helps to pick one. I don't know that I'll ever publish this book. I don't know that I'm actually meant to be a writer. I just know I kept hearing it. So I trusted the signs and followed them. And it gave me this space to deepen. And when everything, you know, when you're going through an identity crisis, which is really what's happening. And and really, I think I'm trying to learn to live in a consistent state of identity crisis because what I've learned is like, we're so taught to become predictable that we want to become a become an, an identity and attach to something to but for me I always end up breaking those down anyway so it's like what I'm really trying to create comfort with is just being in the constant death and rebirth cycle like becoming someone new changing my mind about what that looks like or who that is or not trying to fit into some box where like the world tells us what it means to be a mother, what it means to be married, what it means to be a business owner, what it means to be a mother and work in the world. You know, It's like, I feel like we're given kind of one main example when there are a thousand different examples of how we can be Mm -hmm. in all of those different roles and how we can show up for them and what they'll look like for us. But it's terrifying for that to do it differently in any way. And that's what I think What's beautiful about writing a memoir is you really start to learn kind of who you are. You get to take a look at who you are and, and also to learn that my, you know, I always thought memoirs were for famous people or that you had to like tell the story of your life in chronological mm-hmm. chronological order, which actually what's really fun about memoirs, and now I want to read all the memoirs now that I understand this, is that it's really just looking at your life and kind of finding the threads yes. of like that connect and the stories and the themes and what you're interested in and what's interesting about you. And so that has been a powerful ally for me in this time of like, kind of knowing who I am, but also seeing and being willing to shift that and change that and be unique in that process to not... Fall into any line or any box, but kind of live in between it and a bit of paradox and duality.
0: When you said there's so many, you said in the very beginning, when you were answering the question, you said there's so many things we can do. Did you mean there's so many like healing modalities, or did you mean more specifically, there's so many things we can do in regard to writing a memoir?
1: I think healing modalities. I think, you know, containers, it's like you can learn through deciding you want to work out consistently and you're interested in learning more about your health. You could learn through wanting to explore becoming a writer. Mm-hmm. You could learn through wanting to be a better mother. You could learn through wanting to start a business. You could learn through uh, be deciding b- you want to become polyamorous with your partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's, you could learn through body, you know, there's just different themes, structures, containers you can put yourself in to kind of focus on your health and your me- your mental health, your physical health, your development, for me, it's helpful to have that container, that structure, and it changes. It could, through painting, painting through therapy.
0: Yeah, and I, I encourage people to try so many different ones if they can. And just circling back to to memoir, I have found that really what a memoir is. and This is something that I didn't really know is that it's always about something. You know, there's a there's mm-hmm. an underlying theme, or maybe a couple of themes, but they're usually related. That are the foundation of the book and it typically answers a question. That was probably the hardest part for me in writing the memoir and I'm like no this is yeah. a bunch of these crazy stories that happened in my life it's like well but what's the point? Like yes. what, what what's the actual point of it? And so that I think was fun and hard to figure out but then when you do and it might change as you as you start writing the book and you know that each scene needs to move the story forward. I mean this, this is just like basics. And I didn't know any of that when I first embarked on. I mean, I can write a self-help book in my sleep, but like writing memoir, yeah. it was not only hard because it was learning a new way of writing, but also gut-wrenching at times.
1: Yeah, totally. To tell
0: your own story.
1: Yeah, well, cuz so much comes around that it's like cuz usually it's not your own story. There's someone else involved. And then are you there's so many healing things around claiming that you're going to tell your story, even if you never share it. With the public being willing to write it down for yourself um, is powerful, and I don't think you have to pay for a course either. You could get together with a group of women, or your, or you know, start writing. There's so much free content online. You could look up just some guides for writing and learn so much about it. And as you start writing, like the next step is maybe have a girlfriend that you trust, or a family member, or a stranger, you know, that you can read to and speak to, and it's absolutely revolutionary for if you're going through an identity change, but also just trying to process who am I? What do I want? What is my life about? What choices do I have moving forward about what direction it can go? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So kind of shifting gears. Another thing that you've been talking about over the last it's been a while I think that I've seen your social media posts is talking about your marriage, sex and pleasure. So can you I know it's a super general and broad question, but I want you to just
3: <laughs> sort of like take
0: it and run with it cuz I don't want to make any assumptions. Can you talk to us about that? What is that all about? Tell us everything.
3: <laughs> don't leave anything out. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. Next episode
1: okay. we can start it off here. <laughs> I think that for me having time and space and this general quest to to know like if i'm bored and i slow down and i'm not in fight or flight mode like who am i and what do i want and i've been curious about pursuing pleasure at all costs like not numbing that down or pulling back i just have always been alive in my body like someone who i just feel and sense and i love food i love the wind in my hair i love sex <laughs> i love sensation. And I have this sense that this soul like particularly loves this body in this lifetime. And it's about honoring that and owning that. I'm always trying to find the balance between, you know, when I was running a business, it was like, how can I run it in a pleasurable way and be successful without burning out, without overriding life and enjoyment of life and enjoyment in my body. And then as I've had more space and I've taken away the business aspect, it's been, how can I claim in my marriage, like what I want and desire and how much I want and desire it. And going on that path with my husband, when we have different desires, we have different relationships to desire. I think probably a lot of women can relate to something we've learned through therapy and talking about this with other girlfriends who are willing to kind of have harder conversations in marriage, that that women seem to want more. that <laughs> Men are like, why is it never enough for you? Whether that's sexually or just in some dynamic. And so one question I've been playing with when it comes to pleasure and desire is what if I didn't numb down my desires? And what if I was a yes to pleasure in my life? A full yes at all costs, even if... He doesn't like what that looks like or what I'm asking for, thinks it too much. She doesn't like, they don't like, I don't, I'm scared of, but still moving forward and being brave and just asking the question, like, what if I unapologetically said yes to pleasure? And that has been both sexual, but also daily logistical, you know, like what more pleasure in motherhood, more pleasure in what I do with my time and space.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of I am in my last book, make some noise I wrote a chapter called ask for everything you want. And mm. I think that's so hard for most women where we're used to well, and I mean even backing up from that like we've been conditioned to just not cause a riot or even like make a fuss rock the boat and by asking for everything that we want, we are doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also the fear of having someone say no and being rejected or being told like, how dare you ask for, for so much. And, and it's, I think it can be What about for
1: you? What's your relationship to just knowing what you want as well?
0: Yeah. That's even, you know, as I entered my forties, that's a question where, and it's, and it's something I've been talking about for so long. I thought that I had it down and I was like, no, I, you know, I'm good at asking for what I want. And, but there were some things that I just, Myself short about. And then, and every time that happens in my life, thankfully, like you, like I would seek out a new therapist and say, like, okay, I just witnessed a pattern. Help mm. me figure out and unpack this as to why. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about y'all, but it always comes back to family of origin. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> always. Mm-hmm. The, the through line always comes back to that. But mm. I often, you know, for what it's worth for people listening, I often ask women who are stuck with not knowing what they want, like start with what mm. do you want less of? Like mm. start there because a lot of times they can list that out faster yeah, than absolutely. they can list what they want because they have shame maybe around asking in the first place. So, but we can be good at complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs>
1: that's celebrated between in our culture and between women a lot of the time but that can
0: help you know help yeah, you figure out yeah. like what it is that you do, that you do want looking at what you want less of in your life and you especially want. like what it is that you're tolerating that you don't want Absolutely. that you've just gotten used to having fallen to your lap and become part of your routine and and part of your pattern. So that's that's my advice for people. But yeah, to, to answer your question, the short version is I have also struggled with that. It's just a matter of not even knowing what I don't know. Absolutely. And having to yeah. pause. I'm I am actually really curious about you've mentioned a couple of times in our conversation about being allowing yourself to be bored. What does that Mm -hmm. process actually look like? Can you kind of take us through like the literal step-by-step process of what that might look like in a day?
1: Yeah, I think I noticed it very soon after clearing out what I normally spent my time doing, which was a very solid routine running my business. And I, I was really like a map it outer or uh, bookend kind of girl. So every day had a theme when I was running my business. It was like Monday is self-care day and I'm off and not running, but I do all the self-care things, Tuesday are meetings, Wednesdays are interviews, et cetera. So originally taking all of that away and just having an open schedule with days that didn't have themes and there weren't things in the calendar and I hadn't yet decided like, what am I going to do with my time? I noticed right away, I filled it up with whatever I could. So it was like, I'm going to become PTA mom. So I'm going to volunteer to be the room mom at school and I'm going to organize all the class activities. And it was like immediately filling it up. And it was like, then I had to undo it again because the whole point of creating space was to allow space. But as I I started to see, and then as I worked with some clients, you know, you kind of if coaches often call in what they're working on or yeah. were working on six months ago. So of course, all my clients, I'm starting to see this pattern like, oh, we really struggle with space and boredom. And of course, it was coming up with in therapy too. And in a session, he was like, "You know, imagine you're in just a forest and you're bored, and there's nothing around to do. What do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, well, I am I safe here? I don't even feel like like that's what came up. Like it's not safe to just be in a forest where I don't know where I am, and and suddenly I'm looking around and I'm scared of what I see." So the invitation was to be okay with that discomfort. And I use that metaphor and vision in my mind a lot. Like, okay, I'm in a forest. I get eaten by mosquitoes. It's kind of uncomfortable. I just have to sit here. I can't run. I can't look for the bug spray. I Then it's like the way it felt to me slowly. At first, that's how it felt like uncomfortable. I need to do something. I need to figure something out. But if I sat long enough, which would literally be like waking up in the morning, well, it started the night before, not scheduling anything the next day or on the days that I could, like looking to my week and like, what day can I keep open or what amount block of time can I leave open without something to do and not predetermine what I'm going to do with that time? And then be in that time and see where I'm guided, not to just cover up something, but The way that I, the metaphor, so to speak, is like suddenly it's like, oh, you notice the sun shining, you know, between the trees and you like look where it's shining and it's on this rock and then you turn over the rock and then underneath the rock, there are all these insects you've never seen. So you watch them for a minute and then suddenly you feel like dancing. So you dance in the sunlight. It kind of evolves like that. Whereas if you're like obsessed with what do I do? It's so uncomfortable and all the things that are unfamiliar and unknown about this. I want to decide how to feel safe. This is what it felt like for me to like allowing your creativity to emerge and just following where the wind takes you and creating a bit of a comfort with that. And that led to new discoveries, like doing things I'd never done before, filling my time with different things or getting to know my creativity in a different way because I was allowing it to have room, allowing myself to stay curious and then being brave enough to follow the curiosity, Mm -hmm. even if um, it might be judged by someone or our culture as not okay, a waste of time, going to disrupt things. Right?
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. And I I sense, I mean, I make up that there was like so much discomfort in that for you, not just logistically, but just doing something that felt so upside down from what you're used to doing and just sitting in that uncertainty. Like that's the word that kind of kept coming up for me is the uncertainty.
1: Like uncharted road, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a path I'd never really followed before. Mm -hmm. And it like, some of the details of it are just like, handing over the finances yeah. you know to trusting somebody else and being like I can't I can't spend a day just doing what I want pursuing creativity I need to make money to feed my children mm-hmm. so that's like a real life story I'd always told if I don't make the money to feed my children and I don't have a vision for my life that includes growing my wealth to create structure and stability Who's going to fucking do it? Nobody. So I can't just frolic around in the fucking woods all day. I need to get to work and put food on the table. So Those really like actually breaking down that belief and testing it. Is that true? Is that the absolute truth? If I'm not working hard and my sole mission isn't survival, what will happen? So that's the kind of discomfort I'm talking. It's not just like, oh, I'm getting eaten by a mosquito. It's like, oh, yeah. my whole oh, family might destitute. starve to die yeah. <laughs>
0: if I don't get my shit together and stop frolicking around. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in that place too. Pandemic put me in that place so real quick, which I've talked about here mm-hmm. on the show. Talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about body work because you mentioned that, and that's what rolfing is for anyone that that missed that. I believe it's R O L F I N G. They are mm-hmm. um, specially trained massage therapists. So, what does that do? You, have you carried any of that practice over into your life, or like, what does that look like for you now? I
1: think the biggest part of that was just being willing to not do it alone. I I'd had lots of different mentors sister, you know, friends that specialized in kind of supporting me in a way, but I'd never had body work before consistently Mm -hmm. other than like massages here and there, maybe when we were on vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rolfing, I actually asked my memoir writing teacher, what would be supportive for me in the body while going through this process? Because I am a breathwork teacher. And one thing that I learned in studying breathwork is that so much of our memories and traumas live stored in the cells of our body. Mm -hmm. And in breathwork, I've seen miraculous miracle moments with women who are just breathing on their own, doing this two-part breath. And they have these visions and memories that are often like psychedelic and similar to being on like mushrooms, but no drugs Mm -hmm. at all and just freeing themselves of these stories and feeling like places where there were dis-ease or chronic pain leave the body through the breath. And I have done that a lot alone and I facilitated a lot, but I'd never really pursued a teacher to walk me through that. So rolfing is really powerful because it's fascia work. And I know from breath work that that's the deepest place things can get stuck and stored and it's the hardest. So rolfing teachers, practitioners are really getting in there, helping to separate the muscle where it's tight and stuck and it's storing and to like get in and release it. And so sometimes you're on the table and it's just a feeling like a really, it feels like a really good deep massage, kind of painful, but you know, you're (laughs) accomplishing something. Um, And then sometimes a vision comes with it, like a story, like a knowing. When she was working on my chest muscles and separating my ribs from the the fascia in each rib cage and around my heart, it would come every week. We'd be working on pulling my shoulders back and opening my heart. And she finally shared. She's like, it's kind of like every week you open and I can feel it happen in the session. And then a steel trap goes around your heart and everything reconnects and locks in to protect your heart. So what's happening in between our sessions where you're shutting down and protecting your heart again. And I would start to notice it. It's like I would leave open to the world, like feeling calm, centered in my body, just like in flow, very peaceful, like kind of raw, but available for things to enter in and then it would be like a comment from my husband or a, a moment with my toddler and it's like it's like a steel trap door goes down it's like mm. yeah, like harder and harder with each moment so that's an example of like that kind of support and that one reflection i was able to use it in my life and notice like oh here's what's happening in my body and where it happens oh, here's the trigger moment where I can feel it happen. And then instead of trying to dissect and figure all that alone, like going back to someone who was willing to physically put their hands on me, which again is like healing that mother wound. Like, oh, I'm going to allow, she happened to be a woman. I like to have women practitioners because for me, it's kind of like healing that receptivity from a woman. I'm going to let her put her hands on me and be vulnerable. I'm going to let her like dig in and help me feel nourished and rejuvenated in physical places. So that's kind of an example of a piece of it.
0: We're going to take one more ad break and when we get back, I want to talk to you about uh, how you've processed the grief around losing your mom.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom.
0: I I just I'm still kind of reeling from you talking about the role thing thing and just I think part of why we've reconnected is because I've thought about doing that for like a decade I'm not exaggerating because yeah. I've known about it for a wow. long time. My friend, Amy Smith, her husband does that for a living and I would hire awesome. someone else to do it, but I've, I've known about the modality for so long and I've heard him talk about it and, you know, the way that this, the sessions are very intentional and go in a certain order and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk before we leave, I want to ask you about your mother passed away just pre-pandemic, right? Yep, December, 2018. 2018. And so What has the process been like as you've navigated the grief of that? And I'm I'm curious if it was at all related or felt different to the grief that you felt just processing the difficult relationship that you've had with her over your lifetime.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so different. I think the main change was, you know, I always had this sense that my mom had some kinds of gifts that were... I don't know, too much for her. I kind of always thought she was drawn to drugs because it gave her access to mm. something that she had. I think she would talk a lot about visions and- kind of a tortured um, soul. Yeah, I think she had like psychic abilities. I think she was very sensitive and just never put them in an empowered direction. I was handed the book Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson, short by from a friend after sharing some stories because when my mom- past there were just these crazy beautiful things ha- synchronicities that i was noticing even the morning that she passed my daughter and i sat down to paint we were making a christmas present i said do you want to make a christmas present for grandma and send it which was a big thing cuz we weren't really talking but i decided we're going to paint something for her from violet and she painted this picture and it was like, it looked like energy moving. So this is before you got the text the that she had passed away? The day that she died. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it was like a few hours before I got the text and it's like energy moving. And she, she wanted me to write a word. Violet was like, can you write a, a word? She's only three years old at the time. Um, and I said, yeah, what do you want to write? And she was like, I want you to write calm. <laughs> I was like, okay, why? Mm-hmm. She's like, because right now grandma's like this
0: and she's going everywhere.
1: And it's, this is the word. And I said, okay. Um, And I just, I don't know. You were kind
0: of like waving your hands all around in front of your face, like kind of frantic.
1: Yeah. Just like, and this was what the picture looked like. And she wanted her, she wanted to like bring it calm. And then I got the call a few hours later that she had passed. And so I feel like my daughter had some kind of, kind of vision there, but that it basically what happened after my mother passed is she became like a good mom,
2: <laughs> like
1: literally through spirit, mm. just the most. It's a would be a really cool episode for a future date, just to like geek out on Laurel and Jackson and all the signs. But just she is a master communicator from the other side. And once I learned to speak that language and receive the messages, I actually. And she said very straightforward. A friend who has some psychic abilities called me and was like, "Your mom is coming through." And she wants you to know that she's like able to be who she really is on the other side, who she couldn't be in this life. And she's ecstatic about it. That's been my experience. Since my mom has passed, I feel like I have a true relationship with my mom. That's like this beautiful, magical, powerful way that we talk and that she supports me and that we connect and that she teaches me about the world. From the other side, and and that's been the journey through grief for me is like accepting that I didn't have it in the human form, but that we do have this soul connection. That I I did always feel that I always felt like all the challenges led me to become who I am and created some really beautiful experience in my life through the healing when she was here. But now that she's on the other side, I'm kind of free from all that drama and challenge, and just really playing in a bit more
0: magic. <laughs> and mysticism, which is really fun. It's so beautiful. So it's kind of like, I mean, forgive me if I'm like totally misinterpreting this, but it sounds like you were able to finally get the mom that you always deserved and wanted, even though she's not here in human form.
1: Yeah. And and I think through her being gone, it's really been full permission to learn to self-mother and full permission to not carry that wound with my kids. Like I don't want to mother them the opposite to make up for what my mother didn't do. I just want to figure out who I am as a mother and what kind of experience I want to create and have during their childhood and supporting them and being who they're going to be. Not like I'm doing it because I need to make up for what I didn't get. And for some reason, her leaving and then kind of realizing that Even though she's gone, your relationship with your mother doesn't have to change. It can still be one, even in spirit form. It just changed everything for me and the way I think about myself and motherhood and, and just even, you know, life after death. (laughs) Like I really have this tangible belief that our energy does go on in some way and that we do communicate and are able to in some way because I've just had these very tangible experiences, almost like it's been like a science study for me. Like, Can I like track it and repeat it and prove it? <laughs> and for me, it's been enough proof like,
0: wow, something is beyond and bigger than us that I'm experiencing with her. One more question before we go. I just want to ask you if you could even just briefly tell us what it means to you to self-mother because you mentioned that just a minute ago.
1: Yeah, I think it means to accept to be aware of all the parts of yourself inside that have needs or something to say and to not silence or quiet any of them, but to really turn toward the one that is really asking for attention and without an agenda, just be able to listen and allow yourself to witness and feel the feelings. A lot of the time, the challenges that we, there's many parts inside at operating and they're good at shoving The ones that need the most attention down. For example, the one that's like, life is hard, or maybe I'm crazy. The one that's like, we need to get our shit together. We'll say, you shut up and sit down, and I'm going to be in in charge here. Self mothering is like being able to witness that internal dialogue and being able to kind of take charge and say, I'm here. I'm listening. I've got you. I don't want to fix or change or even tell you what to do, but I want you to know you're not alone. And I'm I'm the one that's here for you. There's no one else that you need. You're
0: the one that you've been waiting for all along. Oh, well, that made me emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad I asked. I just adore you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing this journey, which I think probably everyone can at least see bits and pieces of themselves, you know, whether they're mothers or not. You know, I I think that we all have some kind of wound inside of us that needs just at the very least, just acknowledging. That we Mm -hmm. have permission to slow down and and look at it and it's just and know that it's part of the human experience that we will Mm -hmm. experience more than once in our lifetimes Mm -hmm. if we're lucky enough to be here for decades on end. Is there anything before we officially close down, is there anything that you want to circle back to or say or or anything additional you want to say to make sure you feel complete?
1: I feel great. I think I'd I'd be curious if anyone's I think some of the medicine is just knowing when you're drawn to a conversation, why? So if anyone is here and is really struck by something, I'd love to hear it from them yeah. somehow. So either if there's comments on your post, I can look back to, or if they want to find me on Instagram we'll and just kind Instagram
0: of- Put your Instagram in the show notes yeah. and they can DM you. Is that okay?
1: Yeah. I think it's just fun. It's like a continued conversation and some of the themes emerge more by hearing what was present.
0: Thank you again for being here. I think you're just- Amazing. And everyone listening, I'm so grateful for your time. You have so many options out there and I'm just incredibly thankful that you choose to spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.
3: Well, hey there, busy mama.